What is up, everyone? I'm your host, Coach Joe Strong, here to bring you another great episode of the Business of Strength podcast, where you can hear the interviews, tips, and tools to turn your passion for strength into a profitable business you will love. For those of you who would like to attend a two-day Business of Strength immersion at Varsity House or one of our off-site locations, or speak to us about one-on-one consulting, Go to businessofstrength.com, enter your info, and we'll get back to you right away. Go to businessofstrength.com, and love, we'd love to hear from you. Our next immersion is October 8th and 9th in the Breda, Netherlands, hosted by our good friends, Noel and Sani at Breda Strength and Conditioning. It's going to be amazing two days of learning, education, networking, and having a great time with our European counterparts. So if you're looking for a great, fun business trip, want to skip over the pond and come see us or if you're one of our european counterparts and want to make it down to breda make it over to breda depending on where you're coming from uh come on out and see us we'd love to have you just go to businessofstrength.com you can register for that seminar i am super pumped about today's guest uh our my next guest is brian sanders he's the founder and ceo of sapien.org knows the tail.org and foodlies.org And he's doing some amazing work in the nutrition and health space, exposing the truth about the food industry and, you know, the culture of eating that's been created nationally around the world, internationally around the world. So Brian's companies are helping people get back to the way we're supposed to eat millions of years ago. He's, 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 his company, Sapien.org is preaching a, you know, an ancestral diet, a nose to tail diet. We had some amazing conversation, you know, about removing the chemicals, processed, refined flours, sugars, and seed oils from your food and what that can do for your overall health. You're going to love some of the gems Brian, Brian drops about the food cycle in the world and how we've all been kind of lied to in a sense. And, you know, some things that maybe myself and people in the know in the industry might be aware of, but most of our listeners and our clients, surely this would be a paradigm shift for them uh, starting to think about, you know, eating meat as the primary um, source of nutrients in their diets versus, you know, the chia bowls and things like that. So this is an awesome company with a great mission and amazing group of people behind it. Brian Sanders, CEO of sapien.org. Enjoy this one, everybody. All right, so I'm here with Brian Saunders, CEO and founder of sapien.org. I got turned on to Brian through a friend of mine, a good buddy of mine, sent me a clip to the preview of your movie that's coming out, Food Lies, and I was just blown away because I've been on a similar journey and I've talked to so many people over the last couple of years about carnivore, about meat-based, and there's a lot of variety of, you know, within that space of kind of, mm-hmm. let's call it this ancestral diet. So I was really excited to reach out to you and meet you. So thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to hear your story and hear what you guys are all about. Hey, Joe. Yeah, thanks, man. Let's do it. Awesome. So let's just start with, you know, the movie Food Lies, right? You're filming a documentary and this is coming out and basically it's an expose of the entire food industry and kind of some of the lies, if you will, that we've been told um, as, as, as a society as to what we should and should be eating and should be looking at as healthy nutrition. What are some of the big things that you've learned there? Yeah, well, it's actually a lot bigger than just the food industry. It's just answering the question, what should humans eat, mm-hmm. right? This is like the trillion dollar question. Yeah. Everyone wants to know. Everyone has an opinion about it. It's so funny. I, since I've been making this film for almost six years now, every airplane, Uber ride, whatever, I'm talking to people about it, talking to people around town. 
everyone has their opinion on it. Everyone is like re religious about it, really. Yes. Everyone thinks they know. And I don't think anyone really knows. I don't even know. It's super complicated to figure out what to eat. I, I've kind of come to some sort of frameworks and, and a lot of things that can guide us. And I do look to the past, like, like ancestral diets, you know, it's very interesting to me as long as we can confirm them with modern science. And so, yeah, it, the film is really just looking at the big picture of like, why are, why are we in such a mess right now? 88% of the U S is metabolically unhealthy. That actually, there's a new study that says now only 7% of people are metabolically healthy. So 93% are unhealthy. And you can kind of see that when you walk around town. Yep. And actually a, a little side point here that we make in the film, just because you're thin doesn't mean you're healthy either, right? Yes. There's there's countries like India, China, they lead the world in type two diabetes, yet they have a very thin BMI. You know, they are, they're a very thin nation or two countries. And yes. so there's a lot more to it. And it's it turned into a six part series actually, because there's so much content to cover on what the hell should we eat? And we we start looking at the past. I mean, we start with human evolution. Like, where did we come from? You know, why are we meant to eat animal foods? And it, it, there's a long story there. And I have some of the world's leading paleoanthropologists and archaeologists that are the ones that actually dug up the mastodon bones and the woolly mammoth, and they see the cut marks on them. And they, you know, they look back 3.5 million years ago when we first started taking a hammerstone. Like our first earliest ancestors took a rock and hammered marrow bones, you know, big femurs to get into the bone marrow and they would crack open skulls to get into the brains. And it's this amazing story of access to high quality animal nutrition that drove our brain size and becoming human. And that starts 3.5 million years ago. It goes into, you know, a couple million years ago when we started hunting to creating fire so all this stuff is is really a story of humans inventing technologies to access more food, more animal foods, eating the animals nose to tail, you know, getting all those organ meats, getting all the fat, getting the brains even. We ate everything. And that's how the movie starts off. And I mean, we can go on from there, but it, it covers a lot. The, the film really covers a lot. So, so. Obviously, you know, being a health practitioner and owning gyms and working with thousands of clients in that, you know, let's call it that middle age group is our sweet spot that like, you know, 35 mm -hmm. to 60 year old age group, almost everybody comes in with a, 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 you know, Dead Sea Scroll list of misconceptions, preconceptions and ideologies mm -hmm. about what they should be eating. Right. And I think like some of the things that, you know, that I see on your website that uh, we've talked about being like the old food pyramids that we used to see back in the day with the grains on the bottom, a little bit of dairy in the middle and some, you know, tiny little bit of meat and like meat was going to kill you. It's going to give you heart disease. It's going to give you, and, and all of a sudden there's been a shift in the last like five or 10 years where you're starting to see people shift on that. You know, at the end of the day, you know, what have you found is the best way to eat for people and what should people be recommending mm -hmm. to their, to their clients? And, and more importantly, how do we get over those those misconceptions mm. and preconceptions? Yeah, it's super hard because even if I do give you some great advice, it's going to go directly against what the client's doctors are telling them. Right. Right. So it's like you could, I'm about to spell it out for you, but it's going to be hard if the doctor's like, no, that's going to kill you. That's going to release your cholesterol. Right. Raise your cholesterol, blah, blah. So the second half of the question is well, we need to clear up all of these food lies. <laughs> and so I have to make a film 
to just get it all out there. Maybe, you know, you could send people could send the, the film to the doctor one day. Hopefully we'll get on Netflix. Hopefully we'll finish it by the end of the year. Turn into a six part series after actually. And so that's my solution for the second half, because all this information is out there. That right. there is no evidence that it causes cancer, no evidence that it causes heart disease. This is all just old bad ideas that I think are pushed by a lot of big forces. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of money to be made. And there's a lot of money made just to keep up this bad science that we've done. Like 60 years ago, we didn't have all the good nutrition science. We kind of made some co correlations, actually. We just looked, we'd made some associations, you know, epidemiology. We looked at different countries. And they said, oh, well, these countries eat more saturated fat and they have more heart disease. So that's just, we're done, you know, just because there's this association yeah. and they, they didn't have any hard science, but they said, Hey, we need to figure out what's going on. We don't have time to do the science. This is an actual quote, something like that, that, you know, the government group that, that put these guidelines in effect actually said, and they just went forward with the food pyramid and the, my plate and everything else. And so it's just, it's turning out to not be true, but no one's discovering this information, right? You'd have to go and look at the papers and no one does that. I mean, there, right. there's a huge, there's five studies published in the Annals of Internal Medicine in 2019 that said, there's no problem with red meat. There's no problem. Like there's no need to limit red meat. There's no problem that, you know, in the, in the guidelines, they actually took off the limits of cholesterol in the dietary guidelines. No one talked about it. No one knows this stuff. There's, there's great science that finally is coming out showing that just because you eat cholesterol doesn't mean you have cholesterol clogging your veins and arteries. That's not how it works. <laughs> you know? It, yeah. I think so, there's a, a metabolically, there's a way bigger issue there, you know, with carbohydrates and other types of refined sugars and things like that, that are causing more of the problem than the cholesterol itself. Cholesterol is a necessary chemical for testosterone and hormone. All steroid production comes from cholesterol. So cholesterol is good for, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's actually protective. The, the studies show that it, in older people, it's protective. People with higher cholesterol live longer, especially <laughs> in women. So tons of science out there refuting all the old ideas. It's not making it to the mainstream. And I think, like I said, it's it's benefits tons of big pharmaceutical companies, big medical companies, big food companies. All this old messaging that we got wrong 60 years ago, it's okay. Maybe we got it wrong, you know? But what what the problem is, they're perpetuating this because yes. they they made, they figured out how much money they could make in all these systems, and so that's why it's in, it's not so much a grand conspiracy. It's just hey, they're just perpetuating these old ideas so they can right. continue to make money. And it's a giant machine in motion. And it's kind of like a giant like a, a container barge in the ocean. It doesn't exactly change direction easily. You know what I mean? So, I think you know. Let's talk about that a little bit. What mm -hmm. are some of the things you saw on the big business side of things? Because you know when you kind of piece together, you know just taking some notes of what you're saying here, we got these big forces equals big business, right? So you got the grain industries, you got the, you know, like huge companies like Kellogg's mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. forth that are, that are pumping this ideology to make a profit, right? Mm -hmm. You have the pharmaceutical injuries who, you know, again, they're here to help in some way, shape or form. But the reality is, is that they make, they don't make money when people don't have any sickness, right? They have to, mm -hmm. somebody has to be sick in order for them to make money, right? Cause they're selling drugs. And then the other side of that um, is the media. Right. And the media and, the, you know, so you have the mass media. And when you look around and you see, let's call it the common misconce uh, misconceptions in, in the food industry, it's it's propagated by the big media, too. So mm -hmm. how do these three things work together and how are they, 
you know, mm. uh, what have you found in a sense? You know, are, are they in cahoots? Is there is there oh, you know, a grand conspiracy? You know, and, and... I, <laughs> I I don't know what I can say publicly. No, I, I think <laughs> I think there's something going on. I made a diagram or I kind of like borrowed someone else's diagram of this big circle of, mm-hmm. of this web. I called it like the the money web. And <laughs> I think there really is a money web. And it, it's like who's making these recommendations? It's like right. these dietitians and all the doctors, but where are they getting this? Who's funding the studies? Who's funding the the textbooks and the education? Well, that's you know the pharmaceutical companies, the big food companies. Yep. Are, they're pushing that. It's like who's funding the 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 whole grain studies? It's like oh well, it's Barilla. It's like the pasta makers. You know, it's like we actually look and we're like okay, I see what's going on here. And then yeah, then there's like the multi hundred billion. I don't know if it it went to trillion dollar statin industry. Yes. Um, statin. So I think they're, that industry is a huge money maker, and they have a huge interest in perpetuating the cholesterol story, right? Because yes. their product lowers cholesterol, supposedly. Right. Yes. <laughs> and and so it has all these side effects. It's like this huge ordeal. There's With very little, very little evidence that it shows any increase in length of life. But too, Not at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it might help with like, say, cardiovascular disease going down a tiny bit. Yes. In the studies that they funded to try to make it seem like that, but yes. overall mortality is not any better because people no. are dying of other things because there's always downstream effects, right? The yes. human body isn't super simple where it's like, oh, let's just block cholesterol and we're all right. good. No, right. that screws you. People know about all these different problems that statins have. So huge, huge money there to to perpetuate this myth because it's one of the only proof like uh well, not uh, approved. I'm not going to say prove it. Approved drugs that does something for for health markers, right? So they're like, right. hey, this is we. It's in the science, so they want to keep this up so they can keep making money. The other stuff, it's yeah, not not so much. Well, I, I think from a marketing perspective, right? I mean, these companies try to market things as black and white, right? So it's like, hey, you know, cause and effect. Take this drug lower cholesterol, live longer, right? And mm-hmm. the reality is from a, from a physiological standpoint, from the bio, human bio, biological standpoint, there's so many enzymes and cofactors involved in changing cholesterol or blood pressure and things like that, that like a simple beta blocker or one type of cholesterol medication like a statin might necessarily work for an entire group of people, but they just blank slate it and give it to everybody. It's like, hey, just take this and let's just check that box off. And uh. That's that's how the kind of the world works though. It's always yeah. kind of these one size fits all solutions that make sure. money and how you yeah, it's it's just the, the sad nature of reality. And yeah, you can't cheat nature. That's kind of one of my overall things I found. Just in my I started my journey nine years ago. I started the film six years ago. Uh lost both my parents nine years ago. That's kind of how I got on this. Is like I'm like, why did I, you know, these chronic diseases just took my parents when I was 30, like something must be up. And I was changing my own diet at the time. And I got way healthier when I, when I changed my diet, but along the way I did, you know, have these different lessons I've learned. And one of those is you can't cheat nature, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit what we're talking about, right? You can't, there's no free lunches in nature. It's kind of a phrase and you can't cheat nature and you can't just drive down cholesterol and expect to do better. I think there's there's kind of like four pillars to human health, and that's just it's the food we eat, it's food, movement, sleep, and basically just general st- like a catch-all for like stress. Yep. You know what I mean? Whatever stressors or stresses we have in our lives, those things you can never cheat. 
You, you know what I mean? You're never going to make a machine that lifts weights for you. <laughs> that, right? It just completely defeats the purpose right, of lifting right. the weight. Right? You're never going to get a pill that's just, okay, I slept an hour a night, but I took the pill and it's like I slept eight hours. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. You can't cheat nature in these four pillars of like being human. We can cheat nature. We can jump on an airplane. That's kind of cheating nature, right? Mm-hmm. But not in the most most human things. Sure. And so you that's what I've learned along the way. You got to eat the good food. You can try to get away with it as long as you can. And then it's going to catch up to you. Like, you know, my parents thought that they were doing fine. The doctors didn't tell them they were sick. Right. Another problem. They don't, we don't, we're not even recognizing disease. We're normalizing people who just have a dad bod. There's a whole dad bod craze. You know what I mean? It's, it's the stupidest thing ever. It's like, no, you don't want that gut. That gut hanging out is inflammation. That's basically insulin resistance. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just, you know, a quick side note, kind of with my own experience, you know, I decided that this year I was going to kind of transform my own personal training. I've always been a big heavy weightlifter, was a sports performance guy for, you know, years training NFL athletes and then kind of powerlifting strongman, you know, all that type of training. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'm going to change things up a little bit. And the one thing I never really tackled was aerobic work. So I started running and I signed myself up for a couple of triathlons and things like mm-hmm. that this summer. Right. So two weeks ago I did, I did a triathlon and it was terrible, right? Cause I'm 230 pounds. So I'm not built like a triathlete. It was like, uh, like dragging myself mm-hmm. through the water. It was like dragging a barge. Right. And I tell people that I'm doing this and most people look at me like I have five heads. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the weirdo because I'm doing a triathlon and I've been out running three or four days a week and I'm training, I'm doing cardio every day and I'm trying to keep my aerobic capacity up, but I'm the weirdo, but it's mm-hmm. totally normal to go out, you know, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday to the football games and drink six beers and have French fries and burgers and things like mm-hmm. that. And we just normalize these bad habits. Why do you think that is from a psychological standpoint? Is it just mm-hmm. because it's so easy and so convenient to do those things? Kind of. I think humans are wired like that too. So I'm going back in the film. We have a section called where we went wrong. And we started talking about the agricultural revolution. And that's where this story starts to answer your question. Actually, Mm -hmm. agriculture, a lot of people think it was more than just grains and bread that would just feed people, right? And feed the slaves actually, Mm -hmm. and just keep people alive. A lot of it was around beer. There's like a lot of, there's like a lot of stories about how maybe this is why we were cultivating wheat because we were fermenting beer and people know, you know, we didn't have clean water back then. So you kind of needed to like brew beers or wines to be able to drink it. So yeah, I think that's kind of how humans are wired is uh, just to cut corners, like, right? I mean, everyone wants to, that's what technology is all about. It's trying to make things easier. And we're just at like a peak technology, peak laziness now where uh, that's what people want. And every, every fast food, every processed food is cheap, convenient, tasty. Some yeah. people think it's tasty. I, I stopped actually thinking it's tasty once I stopped eating it. I mean, it's I get it. Like you're 100% if I'm like, right, you're 100% right. Like right. if you're yeah. like, I don't know, maybe if you had a few beers, uh, I don't drink beer anymore. But if you know, you you, you could think it's great in in a moment, maybe. But really, if you stop eating it, it's not good. No. So that was one of the big things for me this year. And a lot of the clients that I've worked with, I said, Hey, let's all make a pact that we're going to stop drinking. Right. We're going to stop mm-hmm. drinking for a year. And people were like. <gasps> <laughs> right like what do you mean yeah. and but some of us did right and not everybody stuck with it but the ones who did like myself right you know and i'm not saying i stopped 100 percent. i've had a couple drinks here and there throughout the year but it went from being a couple drinks a week to a couple drinks a month to months without mm-hmm. drinks right and and i, I noticed that a, a couple couple weekends ago we took 
um, we took some of our team out for like a team building day. And I just said, I said, yeah, you know what? Let me have, let me, I'll have a beer. Right. So I had two IPAs and immediately it was like congestion, mm -hmm. like hot flushed, right. Feeling I felt awful and like headache. And I was like, man, like, how do you go from being, you know, drinking every week and not thinking anything of it. But when you remove that toxin, when you remove all those, you know, those, those antigens in a sense from the body mm -hmm. and you bring them back, you, the effect is so much more kind of like you said about the fast food. If you eat super clean for a long time and me and you decide, Hey, after the podcast, Brian, let's go get some <laughs> Burger King. Right. It's going to be like, yeah. Oh God, you're going to feel awful. Right. Feel. Yeah. So, so it, it, that's also part of the normalization of society. Where it's like we're we're normalizing people being unwell and like having a dad bod. We're normalizing just how we feel bad, like daily. Like you, people don't even know that they feel bad. Well, some people do because now there's like multi billion dollar, like pharmaceutical industry based around serotonin. Uh, you know all these different antidepressants, mm -hmm. uh, even Adderall, like all this stuff that helps people feel better because they feel so bad because they're not eating well and sleeping well. Yeah, it's a huge problem. And uh, to jump ahead to the solution, it's like people say, people like kind of make fun of the ancestral health thing. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to go like live in a cave and like wear a loincloth. I'm like, no, you can have a perfectly I think guys, amazing I, I life. I love the liver king, but I think guys like the liver king are kind of like, you know, they see that and it's like, that's, that's uh, he, he's got a great message and mm -hmm. so forth, but the shtick is, you know, through the roof. Right. Yeah. And I think some people just associate with some of those things like, oh, I, I can't go carnivore. Are you just going to eat meat? Like, really? Yeah. Well, he's like a caricature. He's yeah. kind of doing an uh, an act. Um, sure. I mean, yeah, he's great. He's he's a good guy. He actually put in a lot of money to a, a little charitable thing I was doing. Oh, it nice. helped get we bought some cows for uh, the Maasai villagers in Africa. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It's Yeah. So no, he's a good guy, but yeah, good message. It's just, yep. yeah, I think some people, I can see how it's, it's a bit much for people, but maybe it's getting people into it. Like, oh, so what is all this liver all about? Yeah. So hopefully it's doing some good, but yes, you don't have to go all out like that. You don't have to be the liver king. You can just kind of make some smaller adjustments in your life and just get used to it. I think the, I think the real trouble is getting used to it. It's like, when you get to where you're going, it's just as enjoyable. The getting used to it is the hard part. And, and yes. humans aren't, they don't like change. We like our routines. We don't like the uncomfortable part of like making that change. But once you get there, you're like, hey, I eat amazing food. I'm eating amazing steaks every day. I'm, you know, like, it's not like I'm missing fast food. I'm not sitting here. Like most people, they're just going on these diets and it's like white knuckling it. They're they're missing it the whole time. They're like, I'm going to have a cheat day next week and it's going to be so great. And I'm just going to like grind through this terrible diet. I'm like, I have no interest. It takes no willpower to drive by fast food restaurants. I live in Austin now. People visit me. I'm like, I don't know. I haven't been to these restaurants. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Where you got some of the best like, barbecue in the country all around you. Yeah. I mean, I'll eat some barbecue, but yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't go to restaurants. Like I just have no interest in them. Yes. But if people might think I'm like a weirdo, I'm like, like some liver king, like weirdo guy. I'm like, no, I, I've changed the way I eat. I can cook a better steak. I can cook a better meal than I can get yeah. at a restaurant. It's cheaper. Same. It's more convenient. Like it, it doesn't take any willpower. I think that's the ultimate hack of most people, just society. What we're saying is everyone wants cheap, fast, convenient. They're, you know, having all these bad habits. If you don't take any willpower to do it, that's the ultimate hack, right? That's yeah. the ultimate way to live is you can't, there's willpower is, 
finite. You're not going to just white knuckle it forever. It's just me. It's gotten so bastardized though. Like, you know, and, and, and like, I'll speak to, and I'll, I'll pick on my female demographic a little bit here mm-hmm. at the gym. So the typical, you know, 40 to 50 year old house, a uh, uh, mom, that mm-hmm. comes in here and you know wants to lose 20 pounds, hasn't seen the inside of a gym in 15 years, you know, since having kids and says to me, Oh no, I got, I mean, that's too much meat. I'm going to get fat. Right. I got to, I mean, you know, what are you going to have? Well, what are you going to have for lunch? I'm going to kill gi- me. Yeah. yeah I'm going like, yeah, to have a giant yeah. salad and this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, all right, well, where's the protein? Like I see, you know, mm-hmm. you're not eating It's, 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 you know, rice cakes and peanut butter for breakfast, a salad with, you know, mm-hmm. seed oil dressing for lunch. <laughs> right. And then it's at dinner, it's a tiny little piece of salmon and some vegetables and things like that. And it's like, well, where, you know, you're, you're a hundred and let's just say for the sake of the argument, you're 150 pounds and you're eating, you know, 35 grams of protein for the day. It's like, what the heck is that? Like you can't, it's not even enough food to survive on. Right. So, so how, how do we, what have you found? Like you lay out for me, you know, I, 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 I downloaded the Sapien meal plan and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I thought it was spot on. I thought it was, you know, right on with Mm -hmm. what I, what I recommend to most of my people. And I'm really, you know, like I said, at this point in the juncture with this ideology, it's not new because it's obviously millions of years old but it's new in terms of a new reframing of what we should be eating. Right. Mm. And so I'm as a, as a health practitioner, right. And someone who likes to give back to the industry, right. I'm having a really tough time fighting this battle with my clients. I, if I sit down with that meal plan and I lay it out for them, I'm, they're looking at me like I got six heads. Like this can't be right. This can't be, this can't be what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. 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 So lay it out for me. Okay. Yeah. 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 So so you asked that a while ago. We got to circle back to that for sure. I think, this actually isn't, yeah, it's, it, well, it's not, it's not fitting into a bucket of anything. It's not carnivore. It's not keto. It's not paleo. I, I don't think anyone has it right. And I think I, maybe I don't have it right either, but I'm trying to pull in all sides from all the interviews I've done in the past six years, top scientists, doctors. And I think the the pattern, I just call it a pattern, right? This mm-hmm. is just like a way of eating. This is a pattern. It's around animal foods. And it's around whole foods, right? And it, it's getting rid of the highly processed foods. And the, the thing with the weightlifting crowd and all the gym people is they're just like, oh, well, if I just count my calories, it's all good. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Or some people are like, oh, well, if I get enough protein, it doesn't matter. And I count my calories. I'm like, yeah, that's you're getting in the right direction. But what really matters is if you're getting enough protein and you're getting your your carbs or fat or both from the right sources. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big thing. You mentioned seed oils. Like I think that the three biggest problems are the refined grains, the seed oils, and the added sugar. Mm-hmm. So these three things make up 60% of the average American's diet. And yeah. it makes up, those three things make up 80% of what's in the grocery store, right? Anything in a box or package is those three ingredients, super cheap, super terrible, covered in glyphosate, just super, everything bad additives. It's just a, a nightmare. So if you get rid of all those things, so okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna back into the the, the dietary framework that everyone yeah. I think can thrive on. You get rid of all of this. You have to get rid of the three ingredients. If you just say, "Hey, I'm allergic to these three ingredients," <laughs> right? Then you you cannot eat from eighty percent of the store now. What are you gonna okay? do? What are you gonna do for my mom 
who, when I send my son up there for a weekend to hang out with grandma, you know, wants to feed him like Doritos and crap like that. I'm like, mom, we don't eat that stuff at home. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's hard. You got to send them, send her the food lies film when it's out. You, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it's hard. The older people are hard to change too. Cause they're setting the old Italian grandma is like, Oh ah, yeah. He can have a little Doritos. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. But I'm saying, yeah, it's a, it's a journey though. Like once you, you cut out, you cut out those foods and you won't yeah. want them anymore. So you got to cut out all those foods and I don't care if you're some weightlifting bro and you're like, yeah, but I can handle it. Like I'm counting my calories or like, oh, I need more calories or I feel fine and I just need to eat more. I'm like, there's other things to eat and this is going to catch up to you later. Right. You know, like there, there's so much more to the story and it's super hard to prove because some of this food stuff could take five years to develop 10 years. And then people have gastro in, in, you know, GI problems. They have all these stomach problems. So it's like, yeah, you got by with eating the processed foods and you still were shredded. Right. And you were still like meeting all your goals, but now your stomach's messed up or now you have allergies. Now you have joint pain. Now you have all these things. I think this is all stuff directly caused from food. And it mm. just takes so long to develop that you don't figure it out. It's a lot of stuff to do with the gut too. Once you break down the gut barrier and you, you can, people have heard of like leaky gut or there's like SIBO, there's all these different things that go on. If you just eat these highly processed foods with different additives, with different pesticides, with all these things on them, the seed oils, you know, doing different metabolic damage, it takes years to, to happen. So you're not going to know it. You're right. not, that's a problem, right? You're not going to know and it. And your normal, like your state of normal because it doesn't change drastically, you don't realize the, the steady decline in your health over a period of a decade because you just live in your life normally. And again, like, right. It's like you someone who know. drinks a ton of coffee who's not getting enough sleep. They just, you know, they went from one cup to two cups to three cups to four cups to five cups over a period of, you know, of years. And it's like, oh, you know, I just a couple cups of coffee a day. No big deal. And it's like, well, a couple, uh, six cups of coffee a day isn't a couple <laughs> cups of coffee. Exactly. And then if you leave, it's like, if you leave and then you come back and you see someone, then you'll notice a difference in them, but they're not going to yeah. notice the difference in themselves. You're like, Whoa, what That's happened? Great point. But so, so yeah, people who think they're getting away with it, they're like, man, I'm shredded. I'm working out. I'm all good. I'm telling you, I've seen it too many times. It's just, you're, you're kind of just fighting an uphill battle and you're going to lose. And so what you can, you can really, what, what's interesting is you can tell pretty quickly if you stop eating them, right? It may take you a long time to feel the bad effects of just keeping up the bad diet. But if you cut all those out, you can feel pretty great pretty quickly. Yeah. That happens to me. I just cut out bread and uh, bread and pasta and tortillas. That's all I did is I traded bread, pasta, and tortillas for sauteed mushrooms and onions. This yeah. my, uh, could be my number one hack. Just take take out that and I just sauteed up mushrooms and onions. Delicious. And my whole body composition changed. I got like way more fit. I didn't have allergies anymore. I didn't have joint pain anymore. I didn't have heartburn anymore. It's amazing. So, so yeah. So, okay, I'll go, I'll do the framework. So we're cutting out all of those refined foods. So that's bread. People don't understand. Bread's a refined food, especially modern. So you're talking about all refined flowers in particular, all refined grains. So whatever, you know, any, and any type, even ones that we've been led to be, I believe be healthy, like barley, and oat and so forth, like any of those well, milled grains. That I mean, th- th- you could go into some of these nuances because I think, well, if you're, I think it, around the world, like there's different ways cultures raise grains. There's different yes. laws about pesticides. There's different. They have like heritage breed grains and sure. And there's different processing techniques, like soaking, fermenting, like yep. sourdough. So I guess I'd say 
the extreme example would be white bread, Wonder Bread in America compared yes. to a properly fermented sourdough from Italy where they actually grew the heritage grains. Right. You know, they stone, milled them. stone ground mill grains. They did the whole like that, thing. Yeah. They fermented the dough for two yeah. days. You know, they have the wild yeast. That's a completely different ball game, right? Right to hell. So, and then, and then there's also even a problem with um, fortification too. You don't want they fortify grains in in America with sure. iron. For one thing, would be the worst thing you could do. It's just basically iron filings. You can look up YouTube videos of people grinding what? up cereals, grinding up stuff, and it there's actual iron filings coming out. And this is their, you know, they're proud of that. It's like, oh, it's fortified with iron. You look at any cereal box. You don't want that iron in your body. That is no. Good. So, so I always watch out for stuff like that and how they're grown. And, but if you can find like a decent white rice that isn't fortified and you can kind of, and wash it yourself. And then I cook it with bone broth to add back some nutrients. Mm. I'm not, I'm not mad at, at some white rice. Yes. Maybe you could find some good oats or something. You know, I just don't want to scare people away from all foods and be like, oh man, you, you know, you can, you have to eat like the liver king. Right. You know? Right. So, there, so a, there, there, there is a, there is a scale here, but we're talking about refined, bleached out, fortified, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. typical, the typical gold mill, you know, flour that you're going to buy in the, in, in the shop, right? No, no, no. And, and it's better. I mean, too, if you, if you want to just cut weight quickly, just get rid of all the carbs really, right. you know, but I'm, I just don't, I'm, I don't like to fear monger on carbs at all, but it's right. like, it's a good tool to use. And, you know, some people are like, Hey, but I eat oats and it's like, I, I like, soak them overnight and I do the overnight oats and it helps me. I'm like, okay, fine. You mm -hmm. know, great. Get some, get some good organic stuff. Yeah. Anyway. So, so get rid of all of the highly refined foods you're left with whole foods, but then even the whole foods is a different story because most people in, in, so if you're in the whole foods realm, you're doing way better than 90% of the population. But then I still think you need to focus more on animal foods and focus more on the low anti-nutrient plant foods. A lot of people don't understand how many anti-nutrients and chemicals are in plants. They're actual chemicals, they're defense chemicals mm -hmm. that plants use to protect themselves because of course they can't run away or they don't have fangs. You know, it's like their version of protecting themselves um, is to produce chemicals where bugs don't want to eat them or they make humans sick. And so guys like, yeah, Liver King, well, Paul Saladino. Paul Saladino, I, I kind of yeah, lump them together. Uh, both, yeah, no, Paul's great. He's he's kind of changed and, and added fruit back in his diet. So yep. fruit's example of something with low anti-nutrients because the plant doesn't want to protect the fruit. The the plant, quote, wants you to eat it so you can spread its seed, right? Yes. That, this is like how nature works. So there's not a lot of anti-nutrients, a lot of sugar. And we breed plants for a lot of sugar these days. So, I mean, you could get into some trouble if you're just constantly pounding right. fruit. Yeah, and uh, so, but- so yeah, within the whole food spectrum, there is a whole anti-nutrient spectrum and kale and spinach are kind of some of the worst offenders. It's, they're high in oxalates. And I kind of had a problem with this. I got caught up in my health journey, maybe like five years ago, six years ago, when I was drinking like kale and spinach shakes with like almond milk every day. And I thought I was like the healthiest person ever. And, you know, in the beginning you do feel healthy because you're, you know, you're switching your diet around and you're like, it seems great. Sure. And then I was doing that every day for like two years in a row. And then that's not natural, right? This is not how humans evolved. There's no way we had a, a bushel of spinach and kale every single day for two years. And there's a lot of oxalates in spinach and kale and even almond milk. And these oxalates, kidney stones are caused from calcium oxalate buildup. Mm. And so you don't want to eat a lot of oxalates. It's not normal. And 
yeah, this is the stuff that Saladino talks about is just just being cognizant of all these plant anti-nutrients. Like in, in all the different plants, they have different ones, like in lectins and beans. Like, like I'm not into like so many of these plant foods that we think are normal today because they actually do have problems. And you can go to a lot of lengths to prepare them properly. Like you can pressure cook beans to get rid of some of the lectins, but it's still, I don't know. I just don't think it's ideal to be eating so many of these nuts and seeds and and leaves. Mm -hmm. It's like, it. I, I'm kind of into, so, so we're in the whole food realm now, right? When we're building this framework. So in that whole food realm, I'm saying push towards the animal food side, mm -hmm. nose to tail, eat the whole animal. You want to eat stuff like the bone broth and the call the collagenous bits and pieces and all that type of stuff, the organ meats, there's so much more nutrition in there. And it actually balances out your nutrition profile of even the amino acids of like methionine. If you're just eating like muscle meat, that's like a lot of methionine and mm -hmm. you're not getting enough glycine. And the glycine is the stuff that's in the, the bone broth and in the collagenous bits. And so I think there really is a reason people ate nose to tail or it's just natural because it, it balances out these things. So those are tail animal foods uh, as much as you can. I'm not liver king. You know, I'm not gnawing on liver every day or anything. I, I fit it into my diet at my yeah. company is actually called nose of tail. We throw in some organ meats into the ground beef. It's one of our main products, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. we do ground bison, we do ground lamb and we put the organs in it so you can get it. So it's nose of tail, animal food, seafood, raw. I like raw dairy, you know, like just quality raw dairy from grass fed cows. I go to hard to get market. here in New York. It's not legal. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. I hear people do some parking lot uh, illegal pickups. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the farms that I, I have a couple of farms that sell it, but like technically by, you know, like it, it can't get certified for sale and stuff like that. But it's, you know, they're technically in a gray area right now, but it's, uh, you know, certain states are weird. I it's hard. Yeah. You got to you got to find a way to get it. They have CSAs and it's like, oh, well, I'm like a part owner in this operation. So I, it's legal to get, you know, the yeah. dairy. So yeah, raw dairy products, at least just get grass-fed dairy products. Just get, you know, clean dairy products that mm -hmm. just don't get American cheese. Don't get Kraft singles. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we're talking seafood. We're talking nose tail animal foods, quality dairy products. That should be the foundation of your diet. I, yeah. In my opinion, after all the years, all the people, I've talked to so many researchers, scientists. This is what I've come up with as what makes sense across the board. I've looked at all the healthy populations around the world. They always focus on animal foods as much as they could get. Humans are meant to eat animal foods. Our digestive systems changed. Our bodies changed to be able to re actually require the, this high quality animal foods and the bioavailable nutrition that they contain. It's like people are scared of red meat. This is insane. This is the world's healthiest food. You can live on red meat only. That's the whole thing. You know, you got Sean Baker, you got these guys. Yep. They're living on red meat. This Six is what years and nothing but meat and salt. It's crazy. People, this is like, it's, I, this is what humans probably were doing for say a million years at a time, right? If you look at how far back you look and what the climate was like and where we were in the world, we could have been having hundreds and hundreds of generations of early humans just eating animal foods for most of the year. I don't mm -hmm. think they're doing it the whole year. You know, it's like when the summer comes out, oh man, we found some berries, we found some things. But there could have been hundreds and hundreds of generations of humans, thousands of generations, you know, changing their digestive system, changing our, our, our body structure because of these high animal food diets. And I think whenever people go back to those type of diets, 
they do well. They do better. They, I, I, it's, it's kind of like a one-way street to me. I see this sort of one-way street. Do you know what I mean? It's not like yeah, people, yeah. they discovered like, oh, wait. So steak is healthy. Red meat is good. I started changing my diet, eating more of it. They never go, okay, well, now I'm going to go vegan. Maybe they're going to go back to eating, you know, more junk food at one point. They can't stick to it. And then they add processed foods back in. But I don't think they ever go, they don't ever go back to plant-based. It's kind of like you just realize, oh, so this is how humans are supposed to thrive. This is how we were designed. All my problems went away. My digestion feels amazing because you're just getting so many nutrients. It's just such an easily digestible source of nutrition for animals. Like I heal my dog, my dog. I, she got sick a while back because I was giving her, I thought I was giving her good dog food. It was like grain free, blah, 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 but it's still kibble. You know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm, like, nah, mm-hmm. dogs need real food. I gave her real meat, give her raw meat, just completely changed her life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just had a discussion with a client, not right before the podcast about, you know, you know, I was telling her like, you know, the only real starchy carbs that I eat, like grain carbs is a little bit of white rice. Like we said, then very similarly, mm-hmm. I wash it. I make sure it's drained. I get a good organic brand. That's not, lo- you know, that makes sure that it's not loaded with glyphosate and or the heavy metals and stuff like that. And we wash it out and it's pretty much, um, you know, that's the only real grain that I eat other than, you know, obviously I eat like sweet potatoes and things like that for other, for other types potatoes. of carbohydrates. Yeah. Right. And she was like, well, why, why not brown rice? I said, well, and I had to explain to her about, mm-hmm. you know, the digestive health, you know, the, the, the problem with the antigens in the husk and all that stuff. And she was like, her mind was blown. She's like, man, all this time I thought, I was like, no wonder why a lot of times I'll eat like white rice. I mean, brown rice with dinner and I feel all bloated and my stomach's jumping and gurgling. I was like, yeah, it's just cause it's super hard to digest. I mean, it's like eating wood, like imagine chewing on some sawdust and like eating that, like, uh, you know, how hard that is to digest. It's a fiber myth, a fiber yeah. myth, especially old people. I remember my grandma too. She oh, was yeah. every old person's obsessed with fiber. <laughs> it's so funny and not even old. I mean, if you're above 45, probably yeah. you're obsessed yeah. with fiber and it's just, it's just such a myth. Yeah. Sean Baker, you know, these guys, there's tons of people that, that haven't eaten fiber. You know, I know all kinds of people that are carnivore for 12 years. It's like, they haven't had a single bit of fiber. It's just not necessary. Wow. And that's amazing to hear. Cause like I, I've kind of eaten like more like, um, I'm like, let's say more of a, a little bit more of a well-rounded kind of meat-based mm-hmm. diet and still eating some of the whole food, vegetables and fruits and a little bit of white rice here and there only on like, you know, hard training days or like, mm-hmm. a, you know, I have another, I have another triathlon next weekend. So I'll usually load up on a little bit of white rice the day before and things like that. Right. Just to carb load a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, so, so you can still eat meat based. You can still eat nose to tail and still get plenty of fiber in those fruits and sweet potatoes you and can. things like that. Oh, I don't know. But you're saying it's, fiber. you're saying, and you're saying it's, you're saying it's almost completely not necessary. Well, what no. is the fiber myth and why is that, you know, why is oh. that been something we've been like tortured with? No, I think fiber is completely fine. For one, there's two types of fiber. There's soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Mm-hmm. So the people think that you need all this insoluble fiber. This is just like cellulose. This is basically just like, bulk and it's like they think that oh you need to have bulk for your stools to pass and all this stuff Mm. and i think there's studies that show that this is doesn't even help they have all these like constipation studies that show that adding more fiber doesn't even help and that people who limited fiber had better had they resolved their constipation Hmm. so it's okay i'm fine with fiber i just don't think and i do eat fiber yes i'm I'm eating like sauerkraut i'm eating yeah i told you mushrooms and onions stuff Mm -hmm. like that I just don't think it's exactly necessary. And then also soluble fiber is the other kind that, that is good for you too. There's soluble fiber in, you know, fruits and stuff. And like that, 
will help, you know, kind of break down and, and does feed sort of different things in your gut and your, um, just in your large intestine and small intestine and stuff like that. So it, it's fine. I don't want to scare people away from yep. fiber, but I just say the fiber myth is kind of this, this myth that we need to, the more fiber we eat, the better, or that part of the fiber myth was started by explorers. Forget the researcher. Uh, he went to Africa and studied the Hadza and actually went to Africa and lived with the Hadza for a little bit or, or just hung out with them for a few days and hunted with them. And well, some of this research, they looked at hunter gatherers and they looked at how much fiber they ate. And then they just didn't have cardiovascular disease. So they just jumped to the conclusion. Well, if you eat a lot of fiber, you don't have cardiovascular disease, which is another one of these just like crazy correlations, just sort of epidemiology that isn't proven at all. Right. There's a million things that they do that are better. They're they're out hunting all day. Of course, yeah. they're not going to have like type two diabetes and obesity. Right. They and, move all day. Yeah. Yeah. And they're eating whole foods. They only have access to whole foods. You can eat any combination of whole foods. If you're just in nature eating only whole foods, you could have 95 percent meat. You could have 95 percent plants and you'll be fine because you're only eating whole foods. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, one of the things I read that really that I, I like literally ripped off your website and I started putting on some of the stuff, right, which is and I, I put a note out to we have like a internal like nutrition group within our gym space, mm -hmm. right? Our private like Facebook group for all of our members and clients, right? And, and, and simple tip I put, if it has an ingredient list, it's probably not good for you. And that was something I took off of you That's guys. It. It was like, wow. It's like, so elaborate on that a little bit. Like, what is that? Is that just like, Hey, if, if it's got chemicals or any type of ingredients, it's just not where that's technically not a whole food in a sense. Yeah. That's the main thing. I mean, there are yet yeah, chemicals, additives, there's MSG, there's, there's a million reasons why specifically why they're bad, but that's not even the most, the biggest reason why they're bad. It's just the fact that it, it is being processed. It, it's basically, yes, it's just not a whole food, yeah. you know? And it, I mean, there's exceptions, like yogurt has an ingredient list. Like you can get plain yogurt and maybe it has like two ingredients. That's fine, right? Or like a cheese, it might have like yeah. two ingredients. That's fine. But people, kind, I, I hope, should kind of get the picture between the difference between yogurt, cheese, even sausage. I don't have a problem with sausage. Like I, it's better if you get like a good sausage without nitrates and it's like a good sure. grass-fed stuff. But people are like, oh, that's a processed meat. Like it's not, I mean, meat is meat. We've, we've just ground, been processing yeah. meat. Yeah. It's just like, it's just ground up. Like, like we've been eating this meat, processed meat. It's very simple. It's not a processed food. And there's two different types of processing, right? There's industrial processing and then there's ancestrally processing, right? Sure. So like milk and yogurt, I mean, these are you, 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 butter. It's like, that's the ancestral traditional processing method. Those are all good. All the industrial methods are bad. But yes, that's a really good metric or just an easy way to to live is just don't eat foods with labels. You're gonna be you're gonna be ninety percent good. Right? Well, you'd you're probably be, be in the top one the percent of health on, of anybody on the planet at that point if you only exactly. ate you know meat, and fruit, you can vegetables. Do it. You know? Well, you can do it. That's what I was saying before. It seems hard, or it's like, oh, I don't want to do it, or this is an extreme diet. It's not. This is how Oof. humans have always done it. It's easy once you get used to it, right? Like I like I go to so I go to regular stores too. I try to go to farmers markets. I get my own meat and from nose to tail, all that type of stuff. I still go to Costco though. I go to Costco, I roll up 
And everything in my cart is just a one ingredient. It's just a whole food. You can go to normal stores. You end up with, a, and everyone looks at me like I'm crazy. A 200-pound shopping cart full of meat. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's just like just one ingredient products. Yeah. You know, I, they have good sauerkraut that's like, you know, raw, good sauerkraut from yep. Costco. They have raw, good pickles from sour from Costco. Uh, they have good cheeses. Like you can just roll up there and get all kinds of meat and seafood and eggs and fruit and sweet potatoes. They probably have, they have bags of avocados. You can get amazing stuff. That's just all single ingredients yep. and roll out of there. Most people go to Costco. They don't get any single ingredient foods. No. Most they, their cart is full of processed food. It's just like a Captain mecca Crunch, for people who love processed chips. Foods. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was just funny because I took my son shopping with me, you know, the other day, right? And I have a five-year-old, right? So he's a little guy and we're trying to build these healthy habits for him, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and the, I think the food industry has done an amazing job of like really duping people when it comes to kids' foods, right? So, and like, because, you know, there, there's companies out there, you know, like Annie's and, you know, Second Nature and all these companies that are in a sense labeled as like health food companies for kids. But like you're saying, I, I got these, you know, my mm. wife buys these Annie's all natural squares. They're like cheddar squares. And then you look at it and it's just all the same ingredients that are in any crappy cheese it right? But it's organic palm oil. It's organic <laughs> yeah. sugar, right? And, and it's just, I said, well, that doesn't make a difference. It's still the same thing. They just, you know, it's just coming. Maybe Marketing. it doesn't have, yeah, maybe it doesn't have the glyphosate in it. Well, maybe good. there's yeah, one thing, but it's like whatever, but it's still crap. And everywhere you go in a supermarket, what's on the, what's on the end caps mm -hmm. of, of every aisle? It's all the junk, right? It's all the stuff that's on sale. So it's the, you know, the crappy soups, you know, down the soup aisle. It's all the, the, the cheddar chips. squares, chips and things. chips. Yeah. yeah. The sodas, the big giant stack, of, you know, of Pepsi and Coke and stuff like that. Like, you know, Pepsi's on sale, you know, two cases mm -hmm. for $10 and things like that, whatever it might be. And I think it just becomes, like you said, we normalize the normal person walks down the shop, right? And they just, or, or whatever supermarket where you live shop, mm -hmm. here in Jersey, it's mm -hmm. shop, right? And, uh, and, and you walk down the aisles and it's like kind of right down. They, they, and it's, everything's right in your face. So it's a bag just of chips. It, let me yeah. get some cheeses. Let me get a, you know, kids love Coca-Cola. Let me get a couple liters of Coca-Cola. Right. And it's like, you know, maybe, maybe part of it is, you know, for, for guys like us who maybe like to cook and are conscious and have, you know, some type of health history and awareness of nutrition and diet and training, it's a little bit easier. But I think a lot of it is that people, you do have to cook those foods. You do have to get creative with making those foods taste better. I think they taste fantastic. Like I could eat a steak every day, all day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's just like this misconception that like, you know, getting a basket, like you said, full of meats, fruits, and vegetables is going to take a lot more work to put it together. And the kids don't want to eat that crap. And what do parents do? They just give the kids Lunchables or some chicken mm -hmm. fingers and things like that. So, um, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing kind of journey. What you, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to go back to, uh, cause I think it's an important process process. Mm -hmm. We talked about the gut a little bit and how important mm -hmm. the gut is, uh, you know, research showing now, uh, the gut is the second brain. It's got, mm -hmm. you know, the second most sensory receptors in the body other than, other than the brain and eyes. I think the eyes are like number one and then it's like the guts. Right. And, and, and you talked about these soluble fibers and, and you can kind of classify those in a lot of ways as prebiotics, right. Mm -hmm. As the prebiotics. Talk a little bit about that. What, how, how exactly does that affect the gut health? And what have you seen with, with versus like these ancestral diets versus the modern diets and how, how it affects gut health specifically? Mm. There's a lot to it. A lot of it, I mean, there's so many levels. There's a microbiome too, where mm -hmm. it it's that can change based on what you eat. 
Mm -hmm. And that's also how we got into this fiber. There's so many myths because we studied like, again, the Hadza or examples of the hunter gatherers and they had such a diverse microbiome. So then we thought that we had to do exactly what they're doing and eat tons of fiber. Well, actually, Mm -hmm. when I went with them, they weren't eating much fiber. They were like gnawing on these tubers. They would cook and then they'd spit out the fiber. So I think... To, to, the microbiome story is really interesting. I think it's more that they're gnawing on these tubers that are just from the ground. They're getting all kinds of different species of of microbiota from eating, from not washing their foods. And, you know, it's all like whole organic stuff. It's soil. Uh, There's studies about like kids who play in the dirt or kids that are outside more are healthier and all they, like, and they have a better microbiome. And you know what I mean? Like you don't want, I'm so against all the Purell, like dousing them in the Purell yes, and the sanitizers. Yes. It's like, no, you need to non things. You need to be, you know, getting. I eat worms. Things. I eat worms. I used to eat the worms. We outside, ah, you and your friends would dare Do each it. other, you know, eat the worms. <laughs> Absolutely. Like the healthiest people I know are the like least obsessed with cleanliness, yeah. right? You know, it's like you want to develop that good microbiome. So that, that whole microbiome story it, it has a lot to do with gut health. And even changing the foods you eat. If you're eating highly refined foods, I think there's also studies on showing how that that has very poor gut health. Like you have like the bad strains of bacteria, and you have a not not very diversified uh, gut microbiome because you're just eating the highly refined foods. Maybe it's the glyphosate that kind of kills off different mm-hmm. uh, of the good microbes in your stomach. All that type of stuff. Uh, so then, what you're asking about soluble fiber too. So so yeah, soluble fiber is great prebiotic fiber actually have you heard like the cooking and cooling like if you cook and cool a potato or rice it actually gets higher resistant starch when you cook it cool it and then you can heat it back up again so i like to it's it's also good for meal prep too it's it's actually doesn't take long for me to cook my meals i I would really push back on people saying that oh it takes so much time all this stuff how much time does it take to go out you know go to a restaurant or go to get and the money too the money you spend quadruple the money all of so much Uber Eats, it takes forever. It's it's expensive. It takes forever. I can cook a whole meal before Uber Eats would get yeah. to my house. So I push back on that a lot. It's not expensive. It's not hard to pre-cook stuff. Do the meal prep. And actually, it's crazy how the meal prep actually helps. If you're cooking sure. a whole bunch of sweet potatoes, a whole bunch of rice, the beginning of the week, you can eat it all week. When you're heating it back up, that's actually good. It, it when you cool it, it gets more of this resistant starch, and uh, that yeah, that helps your your whole gut system and the, the soluble fiber too. it actually, this is an interesting one uh, that I'm learning about more about estrogen. Like mm. so many people have too high estrogen, right? Yes. There's lots of estrogenic foods. There's lots of plastics. There's a whole book. Uh, my buddy, Dr. Anthony J wrote the book estrogeneration. Mm. He, he used to work at the Mayo Clinic. That out. Yeah, he's great. He used to work at the Mayo Clinic, but I think he was too, uh, he kind of like, I think he they they leave because he 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 wasn't following the mainstream paradigm. You know what I mean? He's a more of a free yes. thinker. You know, he's kind of sure. like, nah, I'm not about this big pharmaceutical system. Anyway, Estrogeneration, great book. All the plastics out there, BPA, like there's it's even beyond BPA. Just because BPA free doesn't mean it's good. There's right. there's plastics and estrogenic things everywhere in body care products, in scented products in your clothes, even receipts. Like you don't even want to touch receipts. Receipts are just coated in BPA. And I always like, nah, dude, I don't want it. They're like, okay. And they throw it away. Just tell the cashier, you don't want the receipt. You know what I mean? These are, these are small things, but still, yeah. there's just estrogenic things everywhere in our environment, plastics, microplastics, all these things. 
you want to get them out. And actually soluble fiber helps you clear them out. Wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Let's talk about glyphosate a little bit. And then I want to talk specifically about the companies that you run and, 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 and some of the things that you offer to help people with these, mm-hmm. with this issue and to kind of clear up their muck. So I want to talk about glyphosate. I can't talk about gut. We can't talk about gut health without hating on glyphosate. And for people that don't know, if you, if you're not, if we're using the term glyphosate and you're not quite sure what that is, that's technically that's weed killer. It's roundup, right. And mm-hmm. by my favorite company to shit on Monsanto. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a, a, a multi-billion dollar, maybe trillion dollar company um, that not only produces the glyphosate, which is a weed killer, but what it does for the grain industry is it desiccates the grains, if I'm correct, and it helps them uh, get the process faster, right? So they can they can dry out the corns and the grains and the rice to dry them out faster so they can process them mm-hmm. earlier in the growing cycle and hopefully maybe get another growing cycle out of it. Um, and, and they're also and, and they just happen to own most of the patents on the grains, the soybeans, and all the mm-hmm. things that they're actually selling the glyphosate for. So how does that work? What What is glyphosate and and why is it such a gut disruptor? And why the hell are we still using it here in this country when the most of the oh, freaking man. world has banned it? Yeah, that's part of the American politics and the lobbyists and how much money there is to be made from it. I actually did a presentation on like, yeah, why the, why people are against red meat and why this is all happening. And if you go back far enough, it's actually just because processing plant foods happens to be so profitable. Mm. So it's a law of nature. The fact that processing plant foods is very profitable. It's a lot of peace, a lot of alliteration. Processing plant foods is very profitable. If you go all the way up to today, that's why we have multi-billion dollar companies like Monsanto and doing all this stuff because they make all the money off this stuff and then they can do all the lobbying to keep it on the shelves, right? Mm. So it's like, if you, I have no money. I'm selling, at Nose Tail, we, we just have like, whole meats and like very simple products. There's no profit margin, right? Like I'm making barely any money. We're like barely surviving. The opposite right, of that- Because you got to take care of the cows. You got to have land. So much, gotta, to yeah, yeah. so much to you it. You got to right? transport it. You got to butcher it. You got to, if I wanted to make money, I could have just made some like protein bar or like, you know, whatever, like processed thing. And I'd probably make 10 times the money. Right. But this is, but the, the, then that, that's how I realized why Monsanto exists. Why all these big, why does all this messaging exist? Because they're making so much money that they can afford to do all the marketing, the lobbying, fund studies, do all that. It's so clear to me now why this all exists. Why is Monsanto still around? Because Cash money. they have enough money to make it still around. And okay, so what happens with, with the glyphosate, part of why also is it's a bit of a loophole. It's because they did some tests and it didn't affect humans directly. They're like, oh yeah, like we, we did it in animal models and it didn't like kill them directly. So they're like, okay, it's safe. It's technically safe for humans. But the big thing is it's not safe for your microbiome. It's not safe for these, your, your body is, you know, trillions of bacteria. So maybe it's technically not going to kill us. You know, it's not like arsenic. Like you just take some arsenic and you die. This glyphosate will kill your microbiome though. And it's called the shikimate plat, uh, pathway, shikimate. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you could call it shikimate, I think is more of a Japanese pronunciation. Uh, and this is this pathway that it it, it works in. And so th- that's what people are figuring out now that it's doing its damage by destroying our gut and our gut bacteria. And that's how it, it's still around, right? Because it's, it's a bit of a loophole. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's crazy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I could go on here for three hours because mm-hmm. you know, it's so, it's so cr- incredible to me 
eating healthy, it seems so simple, but yet it is, it is arguably the hardest thing that any human does to get healthy. And again, I think once you, once you sift through the muck, you break the paradigms, you, 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 you change, like you said in the beginning, you have to change your mindset towards, Mm. you know, what tastes good, what's healthy and what, what, what you should be eating. Uh, again, I think a lot of things start to open up and, and, you know, and, and we have a cliche saying in the, in the fitness industry, Hey, look, you know, if you, if you don't take care, you know, if you don't pay for fitness today, you know, your fitness and health today, you're, you're going to be paying for, you know, mm-hmm. at the doctors later. Right. And, and, and so, you know, I think, I think people, if, if we could adopt some of these things and again, like, like, like Brian said, you don't have to go in all in You're you know, you're running around with your shirt off, eating nothing but liver and things like that. You don't have to go crazy with it, but it's like, Hey, let's, let's start shifting the paradigm to more nose to tail meats, you know, go back to what we used to, you know, nothing wrong with oxtail, nothing wrong with boiling up some hooves and knuckles and making your own mm-hmm. bone broth, nothing wrong with having some liver in your ground and stuff like that. Right. I buy, I buy, I buy whole cows from a farm local up here in New York. So me and me and a buddy of mine every year buy a buy a whole cow and we cut it up and we have meat for the winter and stuff like that. It's amazing and the meat and it tastes fantastic. And there is something too, I think people going back to that type of mindset where it's like, hey, let me go to the farm, let me meet the farmers, let me see where these cows are living. Like there's something cool about that. Like we take our mm-hmm. kids, it's a lot of fun, you know, and, and and it becomes kind of a thing. And I think we've just got away from that because it's just so easy to roll into the supermarket. It's like, let me just buy that generic, you know, shitty meat that they're selling. And it's like, like not even like red. It's like this purplish color. Oh, and so, man, forth. Yeah. so, so, oh, hell, so yeah. this is a great lesson in, in, in the food industry. I think a lot of people will be really surprised with some of the things that you have to say. And uh, so I want to learn, I want to learn a little bit more before we finish today. I want to learn a little bit more about your companies, about sapien.org, about nose to tail and what some of the work that you're doing there. Mm. Tell me a little bit about those companies. Absolutely. Saving.org is kind of the umbrella thing that kind of covers all. Like, I just think this this is how humans should live, right? And that there's this whole paradigm. And that's what saving.org is, is trying to get us to live like homo sapiens again. And within that, there's the film Food Lies. And you can, you know, find that through the site. There's nosetail.org, which is, you know, me trying to get into the the regenerative ag industry, right? And it's like, let's put my money where my mouth is. And like, I think that this meat is healthy and this is the best way to grow it. And so I'm going to do that and get it to people. So we, we, yeah, have all kinds of meat. We even have body care products. We make body care products out of Solar. beef tallow. Yeah. So it's like, this is the best thing you can put on your skin. I'm telling you beef tallow. It's like, what we use, what else did we use back in the day? You know, like we, we, we probably figured it out. It's like, oh man, you just smear this on your skin. You know, you have some problems, it goes away. And plus no chemicals, no like uh. fake scents, none of that stuff. So yeah, we just basically find products th- that are ho- like whole foods and like using the whole animal and we get them to people. That's awesome. I saw you have some spices, you have some um, like uh, dehydrated meat, like basically jerky in a sense, yep. right? And, uh, and and the meat boxes and a variety of meat that you can get and you ship that nationally? Yeah, all 48 states. That's awesome. Meat boxes, yeah. That's, and people can go to, no- it's nosetotail.org for, yep. for that. Yep, check that out and sapien.org for everything Brian Saunders and everything that he's doing, follow the food lies journey. I really look forward to this documentary coming out. I can't wait to watch it. I, 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 I plan on, you know, like you said, you know, I'll probably clip it out and send it mm-hmm. to my clients and, and I might have a viewing party here at the gym because I oh, think, yeah. you know, some of the things that, you know, as, as you know, if we turn this to business side a little bit, you know, the greatest ROI for a gym owner 
is getting people results, right? And the faster mm-hmm. that I can get people to their goals, the more buy-in they have, the more likely they are to stay, the more likely they are to refer, the more likely mm-hmm. they are to ascend a price ladder, right? When we talk about the specifics of running a gym business, right? What better way to do it than to help them with their nutrition? And I think so many so many nutritionists out there, even, even mine, right? I have two on-staff nutritionists, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions and they would do, they would do themselves a lot of good by hearing some of this and saying, Hey, look, you know, let's, let's, and, and I also think it simplifies things. If you, if you cut your diet down to like six or seven ingredients, you know, uh, you're, you're making things pretty simple. So Mm -hmm. great, 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 great podcast. Thank you so much for all the time. Thank you for the information. Just tell people one more time where they can, where they can, uh, uh, connect with you personally and Mm -hmm. your business. Yeah, Food Lies. Just search for Food Lies on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. I just do content everywhere. So just yep. search for Food Lies. And um, yeah, that's I think that, that is your Instagram, right? The Instagram food is Food Lies. Lies. Yeah, I mean, you'll find it if you search for Food Lies. That's where I tell people, go, you, you can DM me. Uh, everything can be linked out from there. Yeah, Nose the Tail, Saving.org, my podcast, Peak Human. Um, Get yourself yeah, I, a meat I, hat like I did. Oh yeah. Right there in the corner. If you're watching this, there's a, I got a meat hat in the corner. Super cool. Great job, Brian. Thank you so much. I'm excited for you guys. Best of luck with the documentary and a a great job getting this message out to the world. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Joe.